Welcome, everyone, to our latest NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz, pleased to be joined by Gloria Navarez, who is the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, uh, known as the WCC, and Ben Rodriguez. He is currently uh, in the Athletic Foundation office at Georgia Southern, uh, but also uh, La Casa. We're going to talk about that here momentarily. Um, it is Hispanic Heritage Month, and uh, Gloria, uh, I want to first start with you. You and I have talked about this issue quite a bit. You are a trailblazer across the country in college athletics. Um, first off, uh, where do we stand right now in terms of Hispanics uh, within administrative positions, uh, maybe even get down into the coaching level within college athletics? You know, Andy, and I think your question kind of highlights one of the, the issues is I don't really have a lot of data on that. You know, I'm sure it exists somewhere, but anecdotally, I don't feel like our numbers are very robust or consistently tracked. I don't know, Ben, if you have a, a different outlook on it, but I, yeah, I don't yeah. feel like there isn't as much information. Yeah, for sure. There's a few different organizations that are, are tracking this. The NCA actually tracks it on their own. And um, the Institute for Diversity and Ethics in Sport, or TIDES, at the University of Central Florida, they also track on this. And so I actually have a few numbers pulled up here. Uh, so among our student athletes, that 6.2% of all NCAA Division uh, 1, 2, and 3 student athletes, um, it's 6.2% Hispanic. 2.3% of administrators at the assistant AD level or higher, uh, only 2% of ADs, uh, and then head coaches, you're talking roughly 2.3%, uh, and conference commissioners, as far as I know, is, is just one uh, inglorious. So she's definitely a trailblazer. Uh, so with those numbers um, not being obviously representative, uh, what are your thoughts when you hear those? I mean, we, we sort of asked for the data. We got it, Gloria. What are your thoughts? I know. Great job, Ben. Right there. <laughs> And that was unscripted, by the way. I know. Um, clearly more prepared than I am. So good on you, Ben. Um, I, I do think, you know, when I started in the business, what feels like 100 COVID years ago, it, when we talked about race and diversity in athletics, it was really a black and white question. African-American organization, support services. Um, and, and it was really about African-American representation. So I think when I first started the, you know, the conversation really wasn't around about other ethnicities, Hispanic, Asian. And so now I feel like, especially with what's going on in society, we're elevating the conversation. I see more of a pipeline entering our business. And when I go to conventions and, and meetings, I see young people and I'm approached by them um, of various backgrounds. So it's, it's encouraging, but clearly, you know, still underrepresented. So to that point, and Ben, I want you to chime in on this as well, Gloria, and anecdotally, because uh, we've had these conversations on our social series um, about African-Americans and Asian-Americans. And notably, when we had this conversation with former America East Commissioner Amy Huckhausen, uh, who was a trailblazer as an uh, Asian-American uh, conference commissioner before she transitioned to now another uh, career, uh, out of college athletics, um, you know, there are many times where she was pretty much the only person uh, who was an Asian American at the table. 
uh, in conversations. Uh, so I'm just curious anecdotally how you have found that throughout the course of your career uh, as an athlete and as you worked your way up as an administrator, uh, Gloria first, and then you, Ben. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I remember being in one of the first classes of the NCAA uh, fellows program and got assigned a mentor. And at the time it was one of the only uh, Hispanic athletic directors in Rudy Davalos at the University of New Mexico. And so he was a real strong influence on me. And A, I would have never met him but for the NCAA program. And two, I, I thought he was really good about, you know, always returning my calls, being there for me, answering, you know, questions about navigating the space. Um, I, I would hope that people going through the program have more than just one person to assign to their upcoming class of Latino or Latino administrators. Yeah, you know, and, and for me, I wanted to highlight something Gloria mentioned before about when we, you know, so often when we talk about diversity in college athletics, it's been black and white, right? And, and um, you know, for me and in, in my career, I've, just to be honest, I've not had, I can only think of one or two folks administratively who have been Hispanic that I've worked with, right? And so that's been, um, that's been quite a challenge, right? We always hear about representation and, and, how, and how that matters to folks, right? So for me, I'll just tell you, it's, it's something that I've thought about quite a bit. Um, I think there are certain groups that um, have figured it out and have done a really good job getting their um, folks in their demographic at the table. And I think now, as Gloria mentioned, other groups are really starting to, to, to really do that well, right? If you had asked me a year and a half ago, hey, Ben, tell me about some Hispanic administrators, I couldn't have named any at all, right? But now, especially with La Casa, and I know we'll get into that later, you know, and I'm starting to see a pipeline of other uh, Hispanic up-and-comers, um, you know, that we hope will take the, or, you know, take the lead from Gloria and Lisa Campos, Richard Duran, and some others, you know, that are, are, are where we want to get to eventually. So I want to actually go back to, you know, you mentioned Rudy, and I, I knew Rudy many moons ago when uh, I was working down there as well. But uh, Gloria, you played at UMass. Um, ben, you played at Stony Brook. Uh, what were your experiences like uh, as Hispanics playing in, uh, you know, Amherst and sort of um, middle of New York, if you will, Gloria? Um, well, I'm from the Bay Area, California, so I, I went to a very diverse high school and I signed my letter of intent late, so I missed orientation. And in my first week on campus, I got a letter that said, Dear Student of Color. And I had never heard that term before. And I assumed we all got assigned a color maybe during orientation. And so I asked my still to this day bestie, Elena Silva, I'm like, what, what does this mean? And she goes, girl, your color is brown. Let me break it down for you. <laughs> and it, it was just, a, it was a culture shock for me being singled out for that. Yeah, yeah, and, and for me, my experience was, I can remember walking into a locker room um, and seeing our, our white teammates on one side and our black teammates on the other side, uh, and me being Hispanic, and I think there were just a handful, not really knowing where to go, right? And, and honestly, that, that was something I dealt with in high school as well. So, you know, we talked about, I, I dealt with that in high school, dealt with that in college and in space, and we, Again, you don't, you don't know where exactly you fit in. Uh, and then Andy, too, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, our careers and how, you know, it, we've experienced that. that. That feeling has followed me to the boardroom, right? Again, walking in, it's, you don't really see uh, people that look like us. So, um, 
you know, a challenge. I, I think I, I probably think about it more now than I did back then, right? Because I was so focused on my sport. Um, but it certainly, you know, played a part in, in some, certainly something that, um, you know, we were aware of. Gloria, in, in such a polarized time in our lives in this country, how much can sports help bridge that gap and, and, and help everyone that comes from so many different backgrounds, ethnicities, and at times nationalities from around the globe, um, help bridge that uh, understanding of where people come from and different experiences that have to obviously come together as a common goal, whether it's in a locker room or in an administrative office? I love that question because it's everything I love about sport, right? It's teamwork. It's bringing together folks that would never ordinarily spend that much time together or might never be friends for a common goal. It's the front porch to your, our universities, which typically pride themselves on diversity and inclusion of differing thoughts and, and perspectives. And then lastly, we have the platform, right? We, we have a a portal to the rest of the world that brings in fans and general public that sees our young people working together as a team from all different backgrounds. But also I think our young people today are starting to learn to use that platform, whether it's patches on uniforms, where it's um, signaling their political beliefs around the national anthem. It's just become a, a really, as you put it, space where many, many different types of people come together for a common good, but also show that folks work together and, and what they believe in. And I just think that is the power of sport. You know, Ben, um, one thing that is always uh, consistently misrepresented um, in our public space uh, is the fact that Hispanics are not monolithic. Um, Cubans, you know, tend to be on one politi political spectrum. Uh, Puerto Ricans could be on another. New Mexicans actually consider themselves, I live there, I'm married to one. Uh, they consider themselves their own deal. Um, so, uh, you know, they're not tied to Mexico. They're not tied somewhere else. They're New Mexican. And uh, obviously they're Mexican Americans and I could go on and on and on. And it, it's just such a wide swath of ideas and at times ideologies and cultures. Um, how do you deal with that, that, that it all gets sort of labeled as one, oh, you're Hispanic, and here's how you're supposed to act, think, you know, do what, and even look, Ben? Yeah, yeah, so we actually talk about that quite a bit in, in La Casa, right? And so um, I'll just give you a, a quick um, update on, on our founding members, right? We have some that are Puerto Rican, we have some that are Mexican, we have some that are Panamanian, we have some that speak Spanish, others that don't speak Spanish, right? Second or third generation in this country. So, um, you know, for us, it's first, let's get us all in a room. Um, let, let's talk about some of the shared experiences that we have. But like, to your point, let's also learn about some of the experiences that maybe I don't have as, you know, a, a third generation uh, Puerto Rican kid from New York, right? That's someone who's a first generation and first time going to college and their family and all that. Um, so for us, it's first bring them together. Let's talk about it. Let's see what those experiences are um, and know that, there are a lot of people out there that share our experience as well, right? So um, again, it, there's a lot that we're, that we're, we we get to in, in the Lagasa group, but it's certainly something again that we're aware of. And uh, and when we tell other people, like we, we try to educate them on um, on those differences, right? Because when I was growing up in New York, I can remember people referring to me as Mexican all the time, and I was Puerto Rican, right? And so uh, again, just letting them know that. 
uh, there are differences and um, there's a certain amount of education that I think is incumbent on us, but uh, we also want to provide resources for people to do their own, uh, you know, education, right, and teach themselves some of these things. So I want you to, to define Lacoste here in a moment. Gloria, if you could answer that same question. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's hard to grapple even for me because I'm half Mexican, a quarter Filipino and a quarter Irish, you know, and it's, how do you describe, it never really was a thing. I mean, it's always been me and underlying my career, but until I got the commissioner job and I had to really craft a, you know, press release about it, we spent some time. Is it Mexican-American? Is it Latino? Is it Latinx? Like it just, yeah. you know, what, what was the right note to strike? You don't want all these words on the head of a press release. And so it's just, there is something there that we're, we're all still trying to figure out, you know, what to call it. Well, and by the way, it's okay to be sort of, I mean, you know, generations to be sort of mixed and that's okay. You know, not everyone has to fit into a, a little, you know, um, uh, same square box. Uh, so let's go back to La Casa. Uh, let's break it down. What is it? What does it do? And uh, where are we at in terms of its effectiveness? Let's start it off, uh, Ben. Well, so full disclosure, it's still in its infancy. Okay. Right? So we launched this uh, in June, um, this past June. Been working on it for about a year and a half. Um, it's a side project, right? So we all have our, our full-time jobs. Um, but in short, our vision is to help grow Hispanic representation uh, throughout collegiate athletics. And that's both for administrators and student athletes. Um, and so the idea came about, I, I was at the Black Student Athlete Summit, which is held annually uh, at the University of Texas, Austin. Um, and they've been doing it for, I think, five or six years now. And uh, I went in January of 20, uh, brought four student athletes, Black student athletes with us, and they were so empowered by the event, right? Seeing themselves represented at the highest levels of athletics and, you know, with ADs and vice presidents of universities and, and, and coaches and all that, right? So I remember talking to them and, and just seeing how excited they were that they had to be, but that they had a chance to be a part of this. Uh, and I went back to my hotel room that first night and I remember saying to myself, man, this is great but does anything like this exist for people that look like me? And so I went, I started doing some research. Um, I couldn't find anything. And, and that's when I started to reach out to a bunch of different people uh, across the industry. And, um, and each one of them has said, Ben, you know, I, I love the idea. It does not currently exist. Um, and, and Gloria, again, you know, I, whether you know it or remember it or not, we had a conversation a couple of, I feel like a couple of years ago now, right before this thing really got started. Uh, and you played a, a big part, at least for me, in influencing me and encouraging me to go with this, right? And so uh, that's where it was born from, wanting to really replicate what the Black Student Athlete Summit has done. And, and that goes back to what I mentioned before about other groups are doing it well, right? And so now uh, I think is, is our chance to do that. And so, again, we want to grow representation. We want to provide uh, professional development opportunities for administrators. We want to provide uh, spaces for student athletes to share their own experiences, um, you know, and, and, and ultimately too, I think we want to build towards a conference similar to the Black Student Athlete Summit, uh, hopefully uh, a year from now, right? Where we can bring people together for a day, day and a half, um, share some research, share some best practices uh, and ways to better support the Hispanic community in, in terms of being student athletes. Uh, and then last thing I'll say too, is also encourage high school student athletes to, to, to go out and, and realize, hey, you don't have to just do, um, you know, there, there's no one right way to do something. In other words, a lot of Hispanics are represented at the community college level, 
right? Or the junior college level. And if that's what they want to do, that's great. There's, there's, there's no knock on that. But if you do have aspirations of playing division one, right? Like pursue that, right? Let, let's provide them resources to help them and their parents um, to put themselves in, in a situation in which they can take advantage of those opportunities. So um, all of that, I, I know that's a lot, but um, all of that is kind of the, the hopes for La Casa. Um, so we, and we're getting there. We're getting there. So Gloria, um, for women though, uh, I mean, I can think off the top of my head, obviously, you know, Frank Martin's a final four men's basketball coach. Barry Alvarez, obviously, was an incredibly successful fo- football coach and then AD at Wisconsin. Dan Guerrero, who just retired from UCLA. Uh, these are all men. Um, where, where is that, you know, vacuum of female uh, ADs, commissioners, really high profile head coaches? I mean, where's the pipeline right now? Yeah, well, we're here. Um, ben mentioned Lisa Campos at San Antonio. You got Irma Garcia up there in New York. You got Desiree Reed Francois, who's just yep. named AD at Missouri. And so, yeah, we're, I mean, we're here. There's a handful. <laughs> I'm not sure about the coaching ranks. I haven't really dug deep there well, yet. If I could add, right, that sure. all our organizations. So I think what, what has made La Casa, um, let's just say successful, right, to this point, is the niche that we've carved out in the college athletic space. Okay, so this, although it hadn't existed in, in terms of college athletics, there are organizations for professional sports. There are organizations for um, Hispanic coaches, right? And so, um, again, I think it's part of what we'd like to do is, is provide a platform to highlight those groups as well. Um, so that, Andy, when you asked us that question, you know, again, a year from now, again, we can say, hey, I've got so-and-so, 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 um, you know, but again, it, it'll take some time. It, it won't happen overnight, but those groups do exist. And, and it's going to be um, on us, I think, to kind of come together and, and highlight each other. Right. So they're out there. And last thing I'll say too, you know, and Gloria mentioned it, um, it's about being intentional. And just like anything else that we that we you know, try to do um, in the DEI space, um, let, let's go find them. They're out there. And uh, and I think it's also important for you know, people like Gloria and myself uh, to grab some of those younger people and let them know, hey, you can do this. Um, and bring them on and show them the ropes and that kind of thing. So, uh, again, we are out there. And so, I, I just add to Ben's point about being intentional is, you know, it takes work to diversify your hiring pools. And the presidents of our league adopted oh. the first – did I go there? Was that I was going to go right to the Russell rule, so go ahead. <laughs> you know us so well. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, when uh, the murder of George Floyd happened, our presidents – really wanted to get intentional and make meaningful and lasting change. And we adopted league-wide a hiring commitment that we called the Russell Rule in that you have for every open full-time position, you have to interview at least one candidate of a historically unrepresented background. So in addition to Hispanics and Asians and ethnic minorities, if you're hiring for a men's coaching position and you interview a woman in the college space, that's an absolutely unrepresented class. So we're first looking at scrubbing our first cohort of data, but you know, I'm, I'm really inspired by the, the numbers I'm seeing so far. They're not ready for public distribution yet, but they're looking pretty good. And look, we saw this in the latest coaching carousel on the men's basketball side in the spring where there was a concerted effort to diversify hiring pools uh, and there was a significant uptick in terms of African-Americans hired uh, this past coaching carousel. But I think it certainly lags uh, 
not just in the head coaching pools in various sports, but also working their way up. And, and that's why I think, you know, these uh, expanding, uh, you know, staffs at, for various sports will help get former athletes or those that want to get into the coaching profession, at least that experience, uh, because no one's expecting, you know, just handouts here. You got to obviously earn it, but you at least have to have the opportunity to earn it and then get an interview and then see if you're the right uh, person for the job, uh, regardless of gender. So all of that is incredibly important. Um, you know, I just want to go back to this and circle back, Ben, um, to how critical it is. You, you mentioned the boardroom, and I know we're using that sort of a just as an umbrella term, but just how much that matters, you know, when you're at Georgia Southern, uh, as you said, when you're at Stony Brook in a football locker room, what does it matter when someone of color who is brown skin can walk in there and represent so that everyone else in the room knows, okay, this uh, ethnicity is being represented here. They've got a seat at the table, for lack of a better term, in this locker room and in this administration? Yeah, you know, when I got into the business, um, a goal of mine is to be an athletics director one day um, and to be able to point to some of these folks that have made it, um, I think is, is just encouraging, right? If I didn't see people that look like me, um, you know, perhaps that, that would be discouraging, right? Perhaps that would make me say, oh, well, it's not, it's not possible. Um, but it is possible. We've, we've seen folks at high levels, Hispanics at high levels, um, so, I, you know, to me, it just it means a lot to be able to point to them and know that it's possible there. There's we're underrepresented. Right. And we mentioned it before. Hispanics make up 18 percent of the U.S. population. Yeah, we're only, you know, 2.3 percent of administrators. Um, but that 2.3 percent, again, I look at them, I say it's possible. Let, let's go get it. Right. And then when we do get it, let's uh, be really intentional about educating the folks coming after us and getting them up there. But if I couldn't if I didn't see anybody there. I, I think I just, it'd be a lot harder for me uh, to envision. So Gloria, you are, um, you know, working your way up within the NCAA committee structure, uh, men's basketball oversight committee, D1 transfer working group. Um, I'm sure there's other acronyms of uh, committees that uh, you have served or will serve on, uh, but how critical is it for you as the NCAA really continues to get reshaped, you know, as we got the constitution committee going on? Um, that there is a seat at the table for all, uh, for everyone to have their interests heard. Yeah, and you mentioned another one that I'm currently on, the Constitution yeah. Committee. <laughs> and I think, you know, we are a membership-driven organization. And like any board or executive governing body, you should represent the voices of your membership. And the our number one stakeholders are the student-athletes of the NCAA. So if they don't have people who look like them at the highest levels, making decisions, considering their points of views, their experiences, you know, you're missing a vital constituency. So in every level from NCAA committee boards and, you know, governance to our own boards, to our athletic departments, allowing the student athletes to have people that understand them, the diversity of background and the diversity of thought is so important in shaping what this organization is. So we've talked about administrators, coaches, um, how do student athletes who identify as being Hispanic in some form, how do they get into this feeder system, know this exists in some form or fashion and, and, and be able to connect with people like you, Ben, or Gloria? Uh, ben, start us off. Yeah, so I would say even this right here, this is a great platform for us. 
Um, you know, so for those that are interested in learning more about La Casa, you can go to our Twitter page. It's at La underscore Casa, C-A-A-S-A. Um, and we have on there some information. Again, it's in its infancy, but there's still some info, uh, information there, for, uh, learning about ways to get involved. Um, what we'd like to do, Andy, for specifically for the student athletes is get these affinity groups around different campuses uh, across the country, right? So having a Hispanic serving affinity group um, and let's begin to have these conversations. And then for us, we want to build out that list. We want to provide educational series for student athletes. Anyone that's interested in working in college athletics, you know, we want to be able to, to uh, you know, show them the ropes, if you will. Um, so that's part of that networking opportunities, mentor programs, right? These are all lofty goals and uh, we will get there, right? It's not right now, but that's something that we're working on strategic planning right now is, is, is going on. And so anyways, long story short, um, we want to we wanna create those opportunities, connect student athletes to professionals like Gloria and others um, in, in hopes that we can, again, grow representation. Gloria, giving you the last word here, Gloria. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. No, I, I appreciate the shining the spotlight, all the work that Ben is doing. I admit I took a stab at trying to organize early in my career, but that, you know, there just weren't as many of us. Um, I wasn't at that place where I had support and resources, admin assistants, interns. So I think organizing and providing the platform is definitely the first step, but then being accessible to folks and taking the calls and taking the coffees and opening the door to show what these jobs are. There are a lot of folks that don't understand all the myriad of jobs in college athletics, but at the end of the day, they're great jobs, even in today's climate. And, and you know, on our worst day, we're still working with phenomenal young people in sport. What gets better than that? That's right. Well, I uh, appreciate it, Gloria and Ben. You guys are doing wonderful work and obviously uh, setting a, a high standard, but a great one for those to follow behind you. Gloria for Ben and someone else will be following up from Ben as uh, you each go throughout the course of your careers. Uh, appreciate all of you. And uh, just one more time, Ben, where can people find information of La Casa? Just give another shout out for it. Yeah, so La Casa on Twitter, at La underscore Casa, C-A-A-S-A. -A -A, uh, or you can shoot us an email, lacasainfo at gmail.com. There we go. All right, Gloria and Ben, appreciate it. And as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived uh we've been certainly going at this for quite some time we're going to continue tackling all the topics across college athletics thanks for watching everyone